dread Lord of the shadows, God of life and the giver of life, yet it is the knowledge of thee, the knowledge of death. Open wide, I pray thee, the gates through which all must pass. Let our dear ones who have gone before return this night to make merry with us. And when our time comes, as it must, O thou the comforter, the consoler, and the giver of peace. A witch chanting the Halloween ritual at a witch's Sabbath. Halloween is one of the eight great festivals in the witch's calendar. And tonight throughout the world, witches are gathering to celebrate the great festival of Samhain, the festival of death, the night for dead souls and spirits. Witchcraft is as old as man, and its origins can be found in the caves of prehistory. To the witches, it is a religion, a craft, a philosophy. Pre-Christian, pagan. A religion of the earth, a religion of nature. Its followers do not believe in the supernatural, but in an ultimate being, a presence, not unlike the Greek god Pan, or Wordsworth's pantheistic spirit of nature. The two deity symbols of the religion are the horned god and the mother goddess. The horned god represents masculine strength, virility, fertility. The goddess, love, birth and fruitfulness. The witches believe that the ultimate can never be truly known, but that its male and female aspects are represented in the horned god and the mother goddess. And witchcraft is their way of communicating with the spirit of the universe. Every coven ritual begins with the casting of the circle. The circle is drawn with a black-handled knife called an athemi. Lighted candles are placed facing north, south, east and west. And the circle is then the witch's church or temple. Janet and Stuart Farrer are high priestess and high priest of a witch's coven in County Wexford. O thou circle, be thou a meeting place of love and of joy and of truth, a shield against all wickedness and evil, a rampart and a protection for all those who stand herein. Wherefore do I bless thee and consecrate thee by the most powerful and potent names of Carnana and Aradia. Water is the first of the elements carried around. It signifies uh, love and healing and all the, the compassions of water and the fluidity. I follow Janet round the circle and I carry the centre of incense. This represents the element of air, so I'm strengthening the circle with the air element, which uh, represents intelligence also enters into healing and mind in the understanding aspect. I'm carrying the candle round, uh, symbolizes flame, symbolizes the element of fire, which is the mind in its active sense and the will. The wand and the skirt that I carry are the symbols of my authority, of my rank. The wand and the skirt represent the two aspects of mercy and severity. The scourge itself is, as you can see, only made from embroidery silk, which isn't exactly going to hurt anybody. And the two of them are used crossed over the breast, as you see in the ancient Egyptian pharaohs. Ye lords of the watchtowers of the east, ye lords of air, 
We do summon, stir, and call you up to witness our rights... And Witchcraft is and always has been two things. It is both a religion and a craft. It's a religion as any other religion is, in the sense that it is our particular way of trying to put ourselves in touch with the creative power of the universe, put ourselves in tune with it, and live by its, its rhythms and its dictates. It is a craft in the sense that we try to do practical work. We try to put our beliefs to practical effect to produce results of healing or what have you. So as far as our practice is concerned, a weekly meeting, an isbat as we call it, um, of a coven would involve a ritual casting of the circle uh, a ritual ceremonial for opening it which is basically religious and it would be followed by whatever work we feel needs to be done at the time it may be something we want to do for ourselves or something that somebody has asked us to do the basic difference between witchcraft and many other religions of the world, apart from Hinduism, is that we believe that God is both male and female. We personify the goddess because we believe that at the moment she is more important to mankind than the god figure. God has to be male and female because even looking back to the writings of the Bible, it says male and female created he them. By leaf and flower and fruit, by life and love do I invoke thee to Well, Janet and I have been running a coven now for nearly six years. Janet is the high priestess, I am the high priest. In modern witchcraft practice, the high priestess is the leader of the coven. It is very much a female-dominated religion, or female-led religion, I should say. Uh, for many reasons, one of which is that women, experience shows that women are, on the whole, on the average, more psychically gifted than men. And that since witchcraft is particularly concerned with intuition, with uh, developing the psychic levels and with using psychic power for healing and so on, um, it is natural that it should be... Uh, led by high priestesses rather than high priests. We don't believe that there is the supernatural. There is no such thing. There is only the natural, because what we do goes with the laws of nature and not against it. If something appears to be magical, um, in the superstitious sense, it is merely because it is following a law of nature that we have not yet perfectly understood. The door that hath no key, the door of dreams whereby men come to thee, I think that uh, religion over the whole earth up to 2,000 years ago or even 1,000 years ago had certain features in common. It was far more closely tied to the earth, to the rhythms of nature um, than a lot of modern religions. Also, it did almost universally recognized more than one aspect of the ultimate and tended to worship a god and a goddess or even many gods and many goddesses but these were all really aspects of the ultimate 
whatever the argument is. But he can understand the great mother and he can also understand the kindly ruling father because they are something that he understands as a child. He grows up with his own parents. And in witchcraft, we talk of the great mother, the earth mother. She is both the maiden, who is all potential, just like any young woman is. She is the mother, fulfillment, and she is the crone, the hag of death, the old woman who is wise in the ways of the universe, and who, when it comes to death, can sometimes be your greatest comforter, because she is death itself. And the same applies to the god figure. He is virile and strong. He's like the earth itself. He is also the kindly, wise father. And when the later years come, he is the great lord of the underworld, who is not the cold, hard figure that reaches out and claims you, but as in witchcraft, we say he is the consoler and the comforter. Now, you are a witch queen. Could you describe to me how you initiate somebody into a coven? Well, when people come to us, and I would like to say that we do not initiate people under the legal age of majority, they have to go through a time when we watch them very closely. We don't initiate straight away. They have to prove that they really want to be witches and that they are not what we call religion hoppers, which means that one week they are a Catholic, the next week a Buddhist, the next week a witch. If they are really sincerely dedicated, they go through a ritual where they swear an oath to the craft. And once they are in the religion and they've taken this oath, there is no escaping from it. In the sense, although they are not bound to the coven, they are free to come and go as they please, they are bound to keep the laws that the craft teaches them. The three cords that we are holding between us, the red, white and blue ones, are for ritual healing purposes. You tie a knot in the end of the cord and you make your wish. And the two things that the coven are going to work for today, one a human, a lady who has thrombosis and who's been very ill with it, and we don't know her very well, but we'd like to help her. So that's the first one that we'll tie the knot for. And the second one is a sick animal, a horse called Salamander. And this horse has got very bad hooves and can hardly stand. So we will invoke Epona, the horse goddess, and ask her to look after this animal. And if she cannot heal it, at least try and take some of its pain away. And maybe if it has to die, then let it die peacefully. Listen to the words of the Great Mother. She who of old was also called among men Artemis, Astarte, Athene... Dione, Melusine, Aphrodite, Caridwen, Dana, Arianrod, Isis, Breed, and by many other names. Whenever ye have need of anything, once in the month and better it be when the moon is full, then shall ye assemble in some secret place and adore the spirit of me who am queen of all witches. There shall ye assemble, ye who are fain to learn all sorcery, yet have not won its deepest secrets. To these will I teach things that are yet unknown, and ye shall be free from slavery. And as a sign that ye be really free, ye shall be naked in your rights, and ye shall dance, sing, feast... Well, nudity is very traditional to witchcraft. Uh, to quote my husband, skin is the livery of the goddess. In other words, we came into this world naked and we leave this world naked. 
There are various occult reasons given for this, but the main one in witchcraft is that when you come into the craft, you may be a prince or a pauper. Once you're inside witchcraft, you have to shed your images. You have to be a human being. But for people who have been in the craft for some months, once they've actually disrobed and they are part of the Brotherhood, they no longer feel embarrassed about their nudity because it is not a sexual thing in witchcraft. In fact, we tend rather to feel awkward when we have people clothed around us because it becomes second nature. Somebody says, oh, we've got no clothes on, and it suddenly strikes us we haven't got any clothes on. We are that used to it that uh, to us it's a very sacred thing. this background for? Well, this particular thunderstorm, which uh, we taped in England a couple of years ago, when Ireland and England were going through the dry spell, some friends of ours in England who are witches were doing a rain dance, and we joined in with them here in Ireland. And we used this as background music. And as there were so many people working for rain, it's rather ironic that it, about a week you know, after we'd all done this together, suddenly the weather changed. And since then, it's been coming down in buckets. In Britain and Ireland. In Britain and Ireland. On the altar are the other tools that are used in witchcraft. For example, there is the pentacle, which is the copper disc with inscribed signs on it, which represents the earth element. This is the basic um, earth element aspect that we have in the coven. There is also the white-handled knife, which is used for actual physical work in the circle. For example, if you were inscribing a pentagram on a candle for ritual purposes, you would do it with the white-handled knife. The pentagram is the five-pointed star, which you see a lot of in the occult world. It symbolises mankind. If you look at it, there's a little head and the two arms and the two legs. The other knife that we have on the altar is the black-handled knife, the traditional witch's weapon, which is called Nathemi. This is used for casting the ritual circle. When we cast a circle, in a sense, we are building our own church or temple, whichever you like to call it. And once you are inside it, this is your holy sanctuary. And at the end of the circle, we banish, and again we use the ritual knives, the black-handled knife. Every witch has his own Nathemi, or black-handled knife. The other tools, the other ritual tools, belong to the coven as a whole. Now you want me to shuffle? Mm. Somebody around you is having a cold case after an accident. Not that I can think of. Well, you take care. Cold case after an accident. Mm. Oh, gee, there is a course, yeah. My sister-in-law. The devil has turned up here. Yeah, well, the devil is a sort of... Um, one of these emotional cards. I feel in psychological ties, really. It, have, it has implications as well about, you know, being into this sort of trip, you know. Mm. But used in the right way, it's, it, it, it's not a bad card. But the accident is still there. Mm-hmm. Is this a serious accident? Well, it don't seem too serious, but enough to push you back a bit. Mm -hmm. 
No, it's not you that's having it anyway. It's not me? Mm. It's not me what? Having an accident. Yeah. It's somebody else. And it's not It's not very bad. Mm-hmm. It's shock rather than anything else. Is it some motor accident? I'd say so by the looks of that, yeah. Is it a cum or has the person already had the accident? I don't think that one has already... There's an accident mm. in the horizon mm. somewhere mm. for somebody. Mm. But not a... For somebody who's very dark-haired and dark eyes. But not fatal? No, no. No, no. Mm. The tarot is one of the means of divination that is used in the occult and witchcraft. There is also scrying, which is using a magic crystal or a mirror. Uh, There's astrology, phrenology, which is using the lines of the head. All these things interrelate with each other. This is why in witchcraft all aspects of divination are open to us and we use whichever one we choose. Blessed be thy feet that have brought thee in these ways. Blessed be thy knees that shall kneel at the sacred altar. Blessed be thy womb without which we would not be. Blessed be thy breast formed in beauty. The tradition anyway is that the craft is transmitted when it's transmitted and not sought, as it were. It's transmitted from a man to a woman and back again. Um, and uh, the, the sexual instinct with its tremendous power has always been um, one of the techniques of which practice. Now, in coven working where you have a group of people who have, for this purpose, uh, to an extent, sacrificed their, their personal identity to build up, as it were, a group soul. And what better way is there to tie a group of people together if they are sexually intimate? Dagabi laki bikabi lamik kai akababi karelios lamik lamik. Bakus kabahazi sabalios lazos athami kabulos samahakit pramulos haraya. Haraya. The coven practice has never been as popular in Ireland as on the continent. The solitary practitioner has been more common here. I am a non conformist witch in that I don't belong to a coven. And I disregard ceremonial, I discourage ceremonial very much, and I don't want to be mixed up with the general run of witches who go around with nude dancing and things like that. Would you use uh, witchcraft to kill a person, to injure a person? without any doubt, if I thought that the person needed it. In fact, I have done such things. I think I can say that I have been responsible for many deaths, several deaths, shall we say, and quite a lot of very severe punishments, besides having done good to people who've been hurt through no fault of their own. I am rather the nemesis school of witchcraft. I'm a very vindictive person. To me, vengeance is a form of justice. It's an exaggerated... Desire for justice. I don't like mercy. I do like compassion. There's a tremendous difference between them. The first time I actually did it, 
I didn't know as much as I know now, and I was able to use witchcraft without knowing that I was using witchcraft. But I had occasion to hate bitterly a particular Maltese sergeant of police who was vicious, cruel, and a bully, and I was able to be the cause of his committing suicide. He did it very thoroughly. He drank iodine and then shot himself down the throat. And it's useless to pretend that I wasn't delighted. There are few things in life that delighted me more than to hear that. Eight words the Wiccan read fulfil, and it harm none, do what thou wilt, and I think that is the major thing, and it harm none. Because once you start harming people, you're straying from the path of the old religion into the path of black magic, and the two are not united in any way. And there's an old occult law. Really, the black magician, the black witch destroys himself or herself in the end because there is a very old occult principle which is well established people sometimes call it the boomerang effect that any psychic attack which comes up against a stronger defense rebounds threefold on the attacker so a black worker someone who is working using magic to work maliciously he may succeed for a time, he may do a lot of harm. Sooner or later, he's going, to come, he's going to attack someone who either knows more than he does or who is such a good person that he has natural defences. And then it bounces back on the attacker. One of the advantages of witchcraft is that you're able to do things very often by allowing people's own faults to lead them into the final act so that you are never guilty of anything for which the law could touch you. If you're trying to punish somebody for something and you know that person's horoscope and you know his weaknesses, you know when those weaknesses will be excited and you can then put the circumstances or temptations, if you like, before him at that time, he will hang himself quite nicely. I may be speaking metaphorically. And so I find astrology very useful, but of course there are a lot of people who don't know anything about astrology and may have to use other ways. Now, as for spirit... And my very simple faith is that Jesus Christ has set us free from the powers of Satan, of sin and death, through his own death and resurrection, so that by my faith and by his grace in me, uh, I'm set free from this law of Satan. And, you, you know, I certainly accept that witchcraft is much more ancient than Christianity, but that Jesus Christ came to set us free from all this. Now, other than the Maltese sergeant, um, has there been any other occasion in recent years where you've had to use um, magic to punish somebody. Oh yes, quite often. And in for what kind uh, of offence? Well, now? there was one particular case where people that I was suing committed perjury. Of course, though I would like to use the law normally as my means of dealing with a thing, the law is defeated when people commit perjury, and. I had to use steps, and both those people are now dead. And there was also a case of somebody else who was very much involved in it, and 
who was on the verge of committing perjury and had certainly offered what you might call a great deal of aggro and was related to one of them, and that person was burned to death. Are you happy that all those people are dead now? Well, I was sorry in relation to one of them that it had to happen, but when people are obtuse and go on arguing with you, you've got to be ruthless. The ace of spades raised at the consecration. The Eucharist smuggled home from the church. Eggs in the hay. Twelve white eggs in a circle. The thirteenth in the centre. The fear and hatred of the Pishog worker runs deep in rural Ireland. The Pishog is as ancient as witchcraft. A mixture of paganism, Celtic witchcraft and Christianity. In its evil form it combines black magic and black science dropping an aborted fetus on a farmer's land and introducing brucellosis into the herd, is now recognised for what it is, black science. Con Hulhan. She was a rural witch. I nearly always say she's some woman who sexual poultry gone astray. It's a very highly sex woman, tremendous erotic woman, who hasn't found fulfilment. And her energy, her powers, are probably very fine intelligence too. They're perverted. And uh, Shakespeare's, you know, Shakespeare's famous line, lilies that fester smell far worse than weeds. And if it's in families, it, mightn't be, it might be because sometimes, say, uh, in a generation, it usually begins probably with a woman, as far as I know. There's a woman born with a remarkable intelligence, r- remarkable sexual energy, that if you like, who isn't fulfilled, and have a tremendous notion that that's how her fulfilment is, not fulfilment, but that's how her energy is, how they how they find expression. And possibly it begins with one woman. It might be her daughter or her son, they happen to know some of the secrets. And unfortunately, this thing is passed down. If it isn't families, it's because somebody at some given time happened to be fairly, at once expert, but deeply involved. And it goes on from generation to generation. Well, for, I, I was surprised to see the man at, at uh, some time after 7 o'clock for a drive to Mass, because I used to see this man too often. And um, anyhow, I, three heifers after Cavan, and uh, he saw their milk, the three nice buckets of milk from the three heifers. And uh, he seemed to talk a lot about it, and the three great heifers, there were the three good buckets of milk they had for the first calf, so very good. That was Sunday morning. He came to, took him to Mass anyhow, and we came home. Uh, he had his breakfast and he uh, didn't go home until about maybe 11 or 12 o'clock. So uh, Sunday evening I didn't take any notice of the, the cow's milk, but Monday morning there was... Uh, the three heifers wouldn't milk as much as, as one the day before. I got an awful lot of trouble with uh, all all kinds of animals in the place. Everything, not alone cows, but... Uh, calves and pigs and uh, horse even. Everything in the place, that, uh, everything went wrong. There's been trouble with our family and them 
for generations now when my mother's time after my father dying, she had trouble with them. And now it's they're starting on our family or have been for the last number of years. Uh, it is there's even uh, blackguarding the children coming home from school because there's a, a, a right away uh, coming through their land to our place and the children use it it's shorter than coming around the road and they have abused the children both him and his family from time to time as well as that uh, as you know as I was telling you they um they have been trespassing on our land and breaking down ditches and we've had trouble with water. And then they come along and they take us to court and we get no satisfactions out of the court. So I knew I had these powers because my mother had them and had used them from time to time, as her mother did, and I decided to take action myself this way. And I'm pleased because... I see that, well, at last I'm getting satisfaction. Their cattle have failed, their crops have failed, and things are not going as good as they used. And this is my way of getting even with them. I don't want to go into the details of the, the, the way I have worked my powers, but I have them and I have used them. And... Uh, uh, well, if you inquire around, you will discover they have worked. I uh, was cutting hair, and um, as I was cutting the hair, the second round around, I came across, I seen this plastic bag, and uh, I just rose the bar and dropped down all, uh, at the other side of it and went on around again and avoided it then with the tractor the next round and um, I cut the middle here and I cut the headland and I just left it where it was and I was worried about what it was and uh, when I had the hair cut I discovered that there was meat or some old tea inside in the bag and uh, I left it where it was it eventually Went down through the ground, bag and all, the whole lot, grass grew over it, and um, I discovered that three cows aborted as a result of it. Do you think they could have caused death in your family? Oh, yeah, absolutely certain of it. Do you believe, in fact, they may have been instrumental in causing the death of your first wife? Yes, I would say that. There, there are two famous customs, well, I once in New Guinea, I'll say Polynesia, it's probably miracles. There were two famous techniques there. One was the calabash. The calabash was uh, a tray, maybe a quarter of an inch in depth, which you filled with water, and girls and boys, when they were in their courting stages, they'd used that as a mirror because they hadn't glassed there until quite recently. That was the calabash. And if you had somebody you wanted to harm, an enemy, it could be, uh, it might even be your wife, you caught him or her looking into the calabash, and you came on suddenly and you got your hand under it, you tilted it, and you threw it away, you spilt it, you broke that image. Some people, in fact, I'd say most people, would take that so seriously that within a few months they'd pine away and they'd die. That nobody would spill the water unless they had tremendous reason, motive, impulse to, to finish you. Uh, the calabash was like the black captain of that sentence. And the second one, of course, was the famous one, you pine to the bone. There was a certain bone 
for an animal I don't know. Just with a death stick. With a symbolic bone. And someday you had harmed me, or I imagined you had harmed me. And at some given moment, I pointed the bone at you, and I condemned you. And in most cases, you went home into your little hotel, little whatever it was. And in most cases, they pined away and died. Because, look, if you know some people have judged you as being so bad as that, it's bound to affect you. But the main area where, where black magic is potent is that if people believe it's going to hurt them, it's going to hurt them. I'm fairly sure of that, yes. I've seen cases at home again, I can't specify. Where somebody has found eggs in, in the spot garden or, or in the hay, and for months after, they're morally afflicted. I've seen it. I was one day picking spots with a man about, only about 10 years ago. There were about 12 of us there, only a very big farm at home. And my God, every drill we came to, every second drill, there were eggs over the whole place there. Well, the man in the house said, yeah, he said, that's the crows, you know, the crows, they, they steal eggs and they bury them. But indeed, I was drinking with him for myself and he was very, very deeply upset, yes. Because if you think somebody wish you, wish you evil, I think it's bound to affect you and sometimes it's going to affect you in a, in a way that, well, in terms of being a good farmer, you'll suffer for it. I think you will, yes. Look, the whole, the whole essence of, of, of being a Puritan, and I think most of the Puritan certain ways is that you believe you're lucky or you believe you're unlucky. You're the chosen, you're the damned. But if you think suddenly you're a prosperous farmer, if you think suddenly that there are people who count you among the... Well, the undesirables, that you're a bad person. It's very funny, you see, even though you think this is an evil play. Nevertheless, you may feel quite guilty. You may feel that maybe you deserved it. That's like Kafka's the castle, Kafka's the trial. There's no charge, there's no evidence. But you feel guilty. I think it's I think it's oh, good. Well, do, do, do in all, I think from the time it started to the time it finished, I'd say it would be in around uh, 16 to 17 years. It was a long, long time. But uh, I had no health as well. I had uh, several things wrong with me. Uh, well, I, uh, I felt I had no energy anywhere. And... Um, I was kind of sick in myself all the time. And uh, I went to a doctor and, well, he could see nothing wrong with me and he had nothing to do about it and that was that. Could you describe what's happening in the locality? I think she's fairly bitter. She believes that she can do harm to people by practising some sort of pishogs. It is hardly called witchcraft around here at all. They talk about pishogs. Um... There was always a tradition that by using pishogs you could take the milk away from the cows, take the milk away from the barn. So she visits the dairies or the barns. She takes little samples of milk. She soils around the dairy and mixes the milk with it and probably takes away drops of the milk. What do you mean when you say that she soils the dairy? She defecates in the dairy? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. I don't think it has done any harm. Even the people that she has visited don't believe that she really has done harm. They're afraid of her, all right. And they're probably a bit angry about it. But they don't today believe that she does harm. The hair course was the famous one. It was done as follows. I know the thing quite well, even though I was never a wizard, which I'll get to you. But in my youth in Caribou, 40 years ago, putting eggs in hair was... Almost standard practice by some people. 
and the, and the fetus is thrown, that's, that's no more to it. And this was their technique. Uh, contagious abortion was very common then, to the scholars of the 1930s in Kerry, and probably in other parts of the world too. And you were a cow who aborted, and there was the, the little, little unborn calf. You got an egg, and you rubbed the egg onto the, onto the fetus of the unborn calf. First of all, having made a holes with a pin in the shell of the egg. Then you put the egg into somebody's, somebody's winds of hair. Not one egg, but several eggs. The hair was dry into his shed. And you believed, possibly rightly, that the fatal germ had been taken from you. Of course, that was not true. But you believed at least it was gone to him. And if you were doing badly, he was doing badly too. You hoped that the egg is a famous carrier of, we'll call them seeds, germs, any word you like in science, I don't know what the word is. And you hoped that when his cows eventually eat the hay, the germ was still alive inside in the egg, was transferred to the hay, and the next spring his cows would abort too. So it appeared to be sort of, sort of black magic in a certain way, it was a kind of obscene science. Since the early Middle Ages, the churches have vigorously opposed witchcraft. Both the church and the state regarded it as dangerous, and a persecution began which was to last hundreds of years resulting in the deaths of millions accused of being witches, driving the old religion underground and inducing outbursts of mass hysteria from time to time. In the popular imagination, witchcraft is linked with black magic. They are quite different. Witchcraft is the old pagan religion of the earth. Black magic is an obscene reversion of religious ceremonies in an attempt to affect certain results. The black mass and the blood sacrifice are the trademarks of the black magician. But sometimes the line blurs between magician and witch, between black magician and black witch. Well, my name is Fahin O'Doherty and I'm a priest of Dublin Diocese and also professor of psychology at UCD. Um, I I rather think that people practising witchcraft need our commiseration rather than our harsh judgment Um, Of course, I would have to say that witchcraft is incompatible with true religion because of the fact that true religion worships Almighty God and according to the ways in which Almighty God wants to be worshipped. Witchcraft doesn't worship Almighty God, even by its own uh, admissions. It uh, claims to be uh, in relationship to what we might call small-g gods, but they don't call them gods, they call them spirits or powers. So it, it is incompatible with true religion. There are many paths to the truth. There are many ways of putting yourself in tune with the ultimate. And this way happens to suit us and a lot of other people. We recognize that other paths may be equally valid for the people who practice them. If there is any, if there is enmity, any enmity between us and a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim, Quite honestly, it is of his making because we don't seek it. At the end of each meeting, the high priestess banishes the circle. The ritual is now over, and the coven disbands until the next Esbath or Sabbath. Ye lords of the watchtowers of the north, ye lords of earth, Boreas, thou northern wind, O most powerful and mighty and magnificent God, and lovely and gracious and most beautiful goddess, we do thank you for your attendance at our rites, and ere you depart to your pleasant and lovely realms, we say hail and farewell.